Merry, merry, merry. Merry, merry, merry yes, to you. Yes, tis the season. Tis the season. It's coming on. Now, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ready to listen to Christmas music. Oh, okay. I don't like it before right. Thanksgiving. Right. After yeah. Thanksgiving, let it roll. Yeah, I'm the same way. Let's just wait till Thanksgiving. So that's right. Yeah. That's right. And I like the classical. I like the traditional. Mm-hmm. And I like uh, what's her name. All I want for Christmas is you. Oh, Mariah Carey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah great yeah. song. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I mean, I have the crystals and all that stuff. You know, all the, you know, Phil Spector, the Ronettes, Ronettes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love all that stuff. So okay, uh, I want to welcome everybody back to the Bill Bennett Show. Mm-hmm. We're growing, right? Yes, yes, we are. And uh, we try to have thoughtful conversation about the news of the day, address uh, existential threats to America, and there are some. Uh, joining us today, Brian Kennedy and Joel Farkas. That's a real treat, double mm-hmm. team. Brian Kennedy is president of the American Strategy Group. He's also the chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger, China. We'll talk to him and Joel about uh, Russia, mm-hmm. Ukraine, China. Tough stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joel Farkas is a director of the American Strategy Group. I am a fellow of the American Strategy Group in Washington. So we are friends and colleagues. Right, correct. But uh, we get great reviews on these guys. Oh, yeah, all so. the time. Get emails in. Mm-hmm. And if anybody wants to email on the stuff that they hear, BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Yes, sir. Case, but, well, I wouldn't email, though. Why not? You wouldn't email your because own. Because I, yeah. I mean, unless I have a complaint <laughs> about you. Yeah. I would like to complain about the producer. Well, first, a few things I'd like to discuss. Not the most important thing. But okay. on my mind. Going into the game, who's favorite, Georgia or Alabama? Georgia. Georgia. And did most pundits and sports people pick Georgia? Yes. Almost mm-hmm. all of them. Mm-hmm. Did, right. Mm-hmm. And almost everyone you know picked Georgia. Sure. Yep. So who bet Alabama on the money line? I have no clue. Did did, did you? Yes. Well, you said this in the show prior Alabama, to the game. Alabama that that's to, the way to go. Alabama mm-hmm. to win. Mm-hmm. And they no did. No points, just to win. Oh, and they did. They, gosh, they were. That's the best they looked all year. I know. And the worst, the Georgia's defense. Did Nick again. Saban just play it low <laughs> during the last two, three games? Mm-hmm. Just play it close and then turn it loose. The Auburn defensive line was all over Bryce Young, the quarterback right. for Alabama, in the game before the Iron Bowl. Mm-hmm. And this highly vaunted defensive line of Georgia never touched Couldn't him. get to him. They couldn't get to him. Couldn't get to him. They, they had a couple of shots of that line just getting exhausted. Mm-hmm. But, boy, he was throwing that ball all yeah. over the field and winning the Heisman Trophy. I'm yep, in that sure. one game. Sure. Yeah. And then uh, Michigan beat uh, beats Iowa. Mm-hmm. I expected that. It was a big upset. They beat, what's the name of the team in the Big Ten they beat that's supposed to be good? Uh, Iowa. Yeah. No, the other one. <laughs> oh, Ohio State. The Ohio State. The Ohio State. State. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. They beat them pretty bad. They're out of everything. They're, right. They may disappear mm-hmm. completely. Well, right. that's the thing. I mean, there were so many people working out scenarios early on Saturday. Like, well, what if Cincinnati loses? What if Oklahoma yeah, yeah, State yeah, loses? Yeah. And so they're thinking, you know, well, if Georgia just beats Alabama, then that puts Ohio State back in play. That puts Notre Dame yeah, back yeah, in yeah, play yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And, and at that moment, that's when I knew. Alabama's going to win. They're go- they're, they're going to take Georgia's heart, and they're going to they're going to uh, uh, dash the hopes of uh, of Notre Dame and Ohio State all with one win. And mm-hmm. they went out, and there wasn't a moment where it was in- well early in the game it was in question. Yeah, it was ten nothing. Yeah. Georgia. And then you know you just think back of you talk about Christmas ghosts of Alabama games past with Georgia where they just come back yeah. and just beat them. And I'm like, this is they're, they're not going to beat Alabama. Yeah, show Georgia their future too. <laughs> right. They, they may face well, again in January. Thing, right. And if you're Georgia, forget Notre Dame wanting a chance to get in or Ohio State. If you're Georgia, you have a chance to at least just get Alabama out of the way. 
and you didn't do it. Yeah, this was. And now when you have to play them again, they're going to beat you. This was their best shot. (laughs) So Alabama will line up against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's Mm -hmm. had a great season. Mm -hmm. Very credible team. Yep. They'll lose to Alabama. It will come to an end. Michigan will play Georgia. I think Georgia wins. Right, I think so. You know, I underestimated Michigan before. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. They're tough. They're big and they're strong. Right. Uh, They're sort of the same thing as Georgia. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll see. Everybody's saying that Georgia needs to change its quarterback, you know. Right. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. JT Daniels, I don't think they, uh, yeah. it, Well, I'm, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine with a Michigan-Alabama final. I'm fine with a Georgia-Alabama final. And yeah. I, I don't want to discount any team. I mean, Cincinnati played Georgia tight last year in a bowl game, but – Alabama's a different animal. You yeah, know what I mean? The season was over. Yeah, and w- right. And when the when you, when you're in the playoffs and you're playing for something next, it's but just the different. National championship. It's just different. Yeah. You know those games are on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Did you know New that? Year's Eve? I yeah, thought New so, Year's Day. Oh no, New Year's Eve. So don't make any plans. I'm not. I'm, I will not make yeah, any plans. If you had plans, yeah. cancel them. Okay. Well, you don't have another son getting married on New Year's Eve because I was there for no, that. Yeah, I know you were, <laughs> and I yeah, that would be a toss up for me. <laughs> Well, if it's so. close to the house, you and I could sneak out. Nobody cares whether we're there or not, so we could sneak out. Well, I gotta sort of walk down the aisle, right? You know, well, yeah, yeah, you would have to do we that. Do church, you know, we could sneak out, but uh, after that mm-hmm. reception, nobody cares. Yeah, about right. Mel, I gotta give a toast. Mm-hmm. But Mrs. Bennett said she wants to give a toast. The next one, okay. She said, "I said, how was my toast?" She said, "It was all right. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good, but you I know, thought so too. I speak for a living, mm-hmm. you know, right?" Right. She's very tough on me. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Toughest critic. Anyway, but uh, that's that. So um, I've been uh, tracking school scores. Uh, we had the scores before COVID. They mm-hmm. were going down for everybody. More for African-American and Hispanic kids, unfortunately. And now we have some preliminary scores during COVID down from the down. Mm. Just how low can you go? Just terrible. Kids just really suffered. And about the only thing that seems to have gone up during the COVID period for young people is suicides mm-hmm. and depression. Well, you and Seth were on this early. We were on it early, and we were right. Sad mm-hmm. to say we were right. But uh, it will be written at some point that the main effect of COVID on young people was not uh, dying from COVID, but uh, mm-hmm. dying by their own hands, despair, and loss of learning and confidence and mental problems. And you look at the social aspect. I mean, once schools got back in the fall this year, 2021, how many fights did we see at all these schools? I mean, we talked about the story of the school in Louisiana where the dads just had enough of it and the dads were starting to patrol the hallways. But that yes. school had tons of arrests in just two or three weeks yeah. of kids just fight, fight after fight after fight. Yeah, I know. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the media, I mean, you get this Omicron thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody's died from Omicron. Do you know that? Nobody? Right. No one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's just relax here. So we'll see. I was very taken. These things, unfortunately, happen every so often. But this shooting in Michigan. Right. See those details? Yeah, I did. Killed three people mm-hmm. and injured several more. They have videotaped. You see the videotape? Mm-hmm. The one, kids, kids in a class. room, yeah. locked in the room. Mm-hmm. And they put stuff up against the door so no one get in. The shooter was outside the door. Did you see this? I did. And he did. said, sheriff's office here. It's safe to come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were listening. He said, I don't think so. Some yeah. of the kids want to go out. Yeah. And then he said something about something, bro. And he said, he said yeah, no, yeah. it's okay, bro. And yeah. the guy said, that's tip off. Yeah. He said, that's not him. That's not the sheriff. That's, that's, that's the, the sheriff. Guy. That's yeah. one of us. Mm-hmm. Man, amazing. So one kid tried to wrestle the gun away and got shot. Mm-hmm. Captain of the football team. Mm-hmm. Tight end and linebacker. Yep. Tried to take it away. Real, a real leader. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And they're going to maybe rename the high school after that kid. They and should. It's Oxford, Michigan, yeah, I think. And they should when they met those kids. Horrible, horrible, horrible. But I wonder if one of the reasons that they're pushing, the Democrats will push, you know, this Omicron thing and, you know, more shutdowns, mm-hmm. is push it right into 22 so they can have a lot more mail-in balloting. Ah, okay. <laughs> and steal another one. <laughs> Quote, steal another one. Right. Well, I don't want to get into that, but I will say yeah. this, is that President Biden says that, you know, we're going to fight against it and we're not going to shut things down. But he hasn't been the one to keep every promise. And so we'll see how, if he keeps this one. He yeah. says they won't have to shut anything down. Yeah. And so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll I don't see. necessarily trust what he says. But, but I mean, they, you know, this is uh, what do they got going for them? They, the virus shutdowns? Absolutely nothing. And, you know, I mean. Cargo's they, not getting across the country. Christmas presents. You know, I'm late anyway, but boy, I'm thinking it's December 1st here while we're sitting. You may have wanted I better to order yeah, now. You, yeah, well, or you may just want to go across the street, go to a couple stores and, and, and figure that out. I mean, no. Oh, but, you mean get off my butt and go into right. a store? You may just want to go do it in person. Is that possible? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. They, no, I mean, nothing going for them at all. I mean, it, it, it's quite the paradox. You have so many companies in this country that are hiring. Sierra and I went out to the malls this past weekend, and every store hiring. We see truck companies now hiring. But then they say no one's working, and everyone, no one's going back to work. How does that happen? How do you have a surplus in jobs and a, uh, a, you know, a population of people who don't have jobs? You would assume they would attract one another. They're getting not- money. They're getting money from the government, mm-hmm. and they think it's a lot of money. Right. But inflation. Mm-hmm. We had some emails. Right. And yes. I think we ought to run through a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple, one or two addressed to you. Right. Um, by the way, I wanted to point out on this Virginia school situation, mm-hmm. um, 46,000 fewer students enrolled in public schools uh, since the COVID-19 pandemic and all the fuss about what they're teaching. Mm-hmm. 46,000 left. They're going private left. and homeschool. Private and homeschool, private yeah, homeschool, yeah, religious school. Uh, but the state held the school systems harmless in terms of money. <laughs> it's like those 46,000 kids never left. They gave them all the money right. they needed or mm-hmm. wanted. Something you've been talking about, let the money travel with the kid. We got a, uh, a nice email from Canada, maybe someone that Conrad knows. Right. Colleen, she said, truly enjoy your podcast. I'm a Canadian in Montreal. I'm afraid for your country. Bill mentioned civil war. It could happen. Hope it never does. Regards, a listener. Colleen, we agree with you. We yeah. hope it never happens. Hope it doesn't. Uh, I'm going to get to Don here in a second. I'm going to give it to you to review it. I printed it out for you. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a challenge to you and what you were saying and thinking. You hear from Don, I guess, every week. Yeah, we hear from Don all the time. He should continue to email. And if you want to be like Don, email BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Email. But let me read Colin first. Many thanks for your charming wife providing some grace and courtesy to the viewers with her Thanksgiving dinner rules of decorum. Did we put that up? We put that we up. We did on the Thanksgiving episode, yes. I plan to turn them into a quiz show with prizes for the grandchildren <laughs> in an effort to pass on some traditions in a fun uh, way. Mm-hmm. I'd like to suggest the 13th room will move your ball hat when you enter the house, especially before sitting down to dinner. Did you send me a videotape of me? No, I did not. Is that why he's... No, no. As we're sitting here... Yeah. Well, you have the... the right. I but no, he didn't. No. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Claude, and your families. We're hoping that our culture wars don't kill this sacred national holiday. Um, 
This guy thinks I'm too soft on, on Tim Scott. I don't. I love Tim Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's as conservative as I am. But he's a lot more conservative than Joe Biden is. Well, no one checks all the boxes. No, no one, no one. But if they check, you know, most of them or some ones that you're okay with, that's fine. Like no one's going to be the perfect candidate. But 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 uh, but um, uh, this uh, this gentleman William Hickey says, you know, he or the new uh, uh, lieutenant governor of Virginia, the black woman Mm -hmm. former marine, um, none of them could be elected in in an all black city. Because of the liberalism. Right, yeah. And I think he's right about that. Uh, by the way, I think William also agreed with me on the mayonnaise thing. I just didn't want to pass over that. What's that? I think William agreed with me on the mayonnaise debate. We don't do mayonnaise. I believe in his email he had mentioned that. Manning. Mayonnaise. Oh, mayonnaise. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he mentioned mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to However, pass. you were in a subway. Yeah, no, my eyes saw it differently, but. What'd you see? I'm trying to get support anywhere I can. I, I saw, saw a brother black, order I saw mayonnaise. a black man ordering mayonnaise on a sandwich. Shocked me. But again, William says uh, he agrees. Thank you for Joe. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, talking about the abortion case. But uh, go ahead and read the uh, the charge to you here. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Our buddy Don says, uh, "Hey, Claude and Bill. Claude, you asked if we can unite as a country over anything." The answer is yes. See Virginia election. Education of their children led to Yunkin victory. Uh, CRT education and shutdowns will lead to unification countrywide. My question to you, Claude, is why hasn't the lack of education of black youth led to the uh, denunciation of the Democrat Party? As you know, slaves on the plantations were denied ability to learn uh, to read or write. While actual plantations are gone, modern city state plantations are a fact in major cities throughout the country. Black children are being denied the ability to learn by Democrats, and yet blacks still vote overwhelmingly Democrats. Uh, schools are being dumbed down uh, uh, under the banner of uh, equity. The Democrats are saying implicitly uh, is that blacks are not smart enough to compete, and the Democrats are covering up the historic abandonment of black youth. The white elites say uh, they're just correcting the racism of this country. In fact, they are continuing it. And so that's from Don. Uh, there, so yeah, so so a couple things in 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 my response. It, it, it's number one, like even with the question, and I understand the, um, I guess the reflex to direct the question to me because you're talking about black youth. But I think if we see this as a black problem or a problem that a black person myself should address. I think that we're missing the mark already that it's not necessarily a black problem, that it is an American problem, yep. and it's an American city problem. See, I'm yep. under the, 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 the belief that if you were to remove black people from inner cities and replace them with another race in inner cities for, you know, you can name the amount of years, 100, 200, 300 years, that you would see the same thing with a different race. I don't think that there's anything inherent about black kids that means that, 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 that in them, because they are black, they aren't learning, or anything inherent about no. certain individuals that they want to keep black individuals down. See, for me, it goes beyond politics. You can go far enough back in the country. I don't think it was Republican or Democrat. It was America against blacks. And I mean, we see it um, uh, in in history. Now, we've made progress. I think that when you look at the threats to black America uh, and those uh, folks who are in the inner cities, the threats are, are, are all over the place. There are threats from within their own community. There are threats from without their own community. And I think those who are able to make it out, such as myself, I mean, the part of D.C. that I grew up in is not the part of D.C. that is shown on television when they show you D.C. Same thing with my wife, Sierra. Yeah. She grew up in a tougher part of town than I did. Um, and uh, But there are those who make it out. But I think that that does not 
um, devalue or that, that that does not uh, lower how tough it is for anyone to get out. You know, yeah. uh, you had talked about this before, Bill, during the radio program that uh, there was um, a, a New York City public school where a poll was taken. Do you guys want to be, you know, tested for drugs? And so many kids said yes, yeah. because I won't have the pressure. Yeah. The fact is, is that whether it's underperforming in school, whether it's acting out in your neighborhoods, acting out in schools, a lot of kids turn to survival mode. Because when you're 10 years old or 11 years old and you're trying to get home from school, even though the threat may be within your own community from your own people, uh, if you can't get into your apartment building uh, without going up the high rise and someone trying to grab at your sister or someone trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. mess with you, what you do what you know to do. You try to get a gun. You try to adapt to the environment because you're 10, you're 11, you're 12, you're trying to survive. It's the stuff that I've seen, stuff that I've lived through. You know, It's not because you want to do that. You're trying to survive. And it affects so many different things generationally. And some of those things, you know, you talk about mistakes that young people make and they shouldn't be punished for one bad decision. There's nowhere in America where a bad decision is is a, a bigger setback than inner cities where blacks and Latino live. You know, you, you make a bad decision based on anything, whether it's survival or anything else. You do something tough, you're, you're punished. But the generational effect of it is larger, you know, uh, uh, there. It's interesting. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing, though, what he's saying is one of the things that Governor Hogan said that got my wife to vote for him, where he had, he had a commercial. There's a black woman sitting at the table, and she's going through different things and, and bills and stuff like that. And she's like, you know what? I've always voted Democrat. Nothing in my life had changed. But um, maybe I'll give Governor Hogan, maybe I'll give Larry Hogan a try for governor of Maryland. The interesting thing is, and we've talked about this on the radio, is it's, you know, messaging plays a big part, you know, part of um, you know, delivering a message that says this is better for you. This, you know, this will help. This is, is delivering in a way that shows care as opposed to preaching down and lecturing, you know, yeah. um, once we see it as an American problem. Because believe it or not, I mean, there are people, there are black Americans in this country who still do not see this country as theirs. Um, they see themselves as living in a country that does not belong to them. Um, and, and, and they have, and that's their experience. I think Charles Payne had talked about this when he was on the show, uh, where he said he's got family members in New York who voted for AOC, uh, and he believes capitalism is better than anything. Uh, and, but they haven't experienced that yet. And for many people, they haven't experienced America. And I preach it. I teach it. I, I show it. Look at my life. I grew up right where yeah, you grew up. Yeah. Sierra grew up right where you – and this is what we were able to do, you know, because of the country. But they haven't experienced it yet, you know. Uh, and so right along with here's how you can get out, here's how we can help, here's what the problem is, there's a level of patience, there's a level of understanding um, that, that sometimes happens. And Mrs. Bennett does this better than anybody else. Because, you know, I help her a lot with the Best Friends event or when we could do stuff in person. Um, you know, where, where you've got to meet them, where you've got to meet people where they are. And you can't, and, 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 and I never thought about this until Mrs. Bennett said this. You can't see it as a black problem. It's not a black problem. Yeah. There's nothing inherently about black kids that they can't learn, or it, it, but it's an environment thing. And kids do things to survive. Well, They're we, smart, and they'll survive. Well, They're resilient. We certainly know these uh, kids who, black kids who come from Nigeria and elsewhere mm-hmm. and come here and mm-hmm. succeed mm-hmm. tremendously. Mm-hmm. But as I wrap up, I also want to make sure, Don, that I'm not mischaracterizing anything that you said. So kind of in my whole rant and whole spill, um, Don isn't saying that it's an, it's a black issue. It's just that I'm saying that as I'm addressing what he asked. But specifically what he asked was how come in these conditions, when Democrats are leading these cities, how come uh, black voters continue to vote Democrat? I think 
uh, to answer that question. I kind of got to it with the Larry Hogan thing. I think it has a lot to do with messaging. I, I'm not sure if the right perspective is, well, how come they co- keep voting Democrat? More so, how come they're not voting Republican? And one thing during the Morning in America radio show that we always talked about, and maybe we should spend some time talking about this bill, is messaging. Uh, the messaging of the Republican Party. I know for me, as a black person who has his own company, who works for several different media outlets, uh, college educated, my wife, college educated, um, that anytime we hear messaging from the Republican Party regarding why blacks vote Democrat, it's always geared towards, well, they just want handouts. We've never received any handouts. The black voting population is well-educated. They are middle class. They're blue collar. They're white collar. They're entrepreneurs. They are high earners. They are church people, heavily invested in their neighborhood church with high values. Uh, You won't see anyone, uh, for the most part, more uh, conservative when it comes to the right to life, uh, when it comes to gay marriage and things like that, than the black church. And so I think the question is more... A messaging uh, look from the Republican Party that goes inside and says, what is it about the way that we communicate these values, the way we communicate the platform that turns the black voter off to vote for Democrats instead of Republicans? Because, again, I don't I don't think it's a Republican thing. I don't think it's a Democrat thing. A lot of times when it comes to I mean, it's a, it, it's how are you coming at the at, at the black folks? And so when you've got black fo- folks who are uh, voters who are, you know, again, well-educated, high earners, entrepreneurs, church folks, and you say, well, they're voting for Democrats simply because they just want handouts. That's a slap in the face. And so once 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 it's, hey, you actually belong here with us. And if you can talk to them about values without saying anything about what we're going to handouts and you, this and the, stop with that. Talk about things that matter to you, you know, and Bill talked about it a lot um, on the radio. Bill, you had mentioned, you know, you were just waiting for a candidate to go into some of these uh, neighborhoods. I mean, Prince George's County, the richest black county in um, in the country. You know, waiting for a Republican to go to Prince George's County or any other county like that, any other city like that, and say, hey, here, and, and by the way, it may not affect the current election. Everything's not a Hail Mary. Everything's not a touchdown. Sometimes it just advances the ball down the field. And and, and, and that's the work, you know, the the, the, the messaging. And so I, I think the question would be, why is it, why aren't they voting for us? How can we, how can we, how, why aren't they voting for us? And how can we change that? How can we message things differently? How can we get the message in front of them? And some of that might start with changing our perception of what we think about when we think about black voters and why they vote Democrat. It's not, a. am telling you straight up, it's not about handouts. It's not about, oh, if I'm, you know, as me, as a black person, my wife, you know, and, and, and some people may be listening to this and think that we're in the minority of black voters. I'm here to tell you as a black person related to black people who know black people, who know liberal black people, we're not the minority. <laughs> when it comes to black voters, we have what we need and we are very charitable and we help other people a ton. Um, and there are those who are just like that and they vote Democrat and they don't like to be called you know, where they don't like to be seen as people who are on welfare and need all this handouts and stuff like that because it doesn't represent them. Make an interesting point about living in that environment. Charles Murray's book, um, Coming Apart, no no black people in it. He just compares communities, wealthy Mm -hmm. white, and then Fishtown, which is poor white. And the behaviors in poor white are the same as poor black. Sure, sure. Illegitimacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, people aren't working enough. Faith is gone. Marriage is mm-hmm. gone. 
I believe, I believe, I agree with you about internal and external, but I do believe the major problem uh, in the inner cities is family decomposition. Absolutely. Family breakdown. Mm -hmm. It just, it's, it's just so critical. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of things going on, but you know, Liberals will not let you talk about that. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. And right, so, no, 100%. And so that's, and 100%. So that's a big deal. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad you said what you said. It's, I mean, it's complicated. Very complicated. It's complicated. But thank you, Phil. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Don. Yeah, mm-hmm. and thanks for this. And thank please, reaction to Claude mm-hmm. here. Uh, where do people write? Well, God knows where do they write. To fix the problems of the world? You know, <laughs> what, what's the email? Bill, where do they go? BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Bill and we'll talk about all this stuff. Gmail. It's not yeah. Claude Jennings' podcast. No, no, no. BillBennettPodcast right, at gmail.com. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Claude. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Let's welcome Brian Kennedy and Joel Fargus to the show. Gentlemen, uh, I want to do some foreign policy. I want to do some talk about america but first let's look abroad uh brian i I will start with you you're our foreign policy guy ukraine what's what's going to happen and what should we do well i can tell you what we shouldn't do uh senator wicker from mississippi was on fox news a couple days ago talking about sending troops to the border preparing for every military option including going to war and he even used the very inartful phrase that, you know, we, we don't take anything off the table. We, we reserve the right to use, you know, first strike nuclear weapons. Well, let me just tell you that that's a very irresponsible way to talk about any of these things. I can't figure out for the life of me why it's in the U.S. national interest to go to thermonuclear war over the Ukraine. The Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. It's a place that is right next to Russia. During the Biden administration, the Russians took Crimea, which was part of Ukraine. It's in their backyard, and it's not in the national interest to go to war over the Ukraine. And if we're not going to go to war over Ukraine, then we ought not to talk that way about it. And there there seems to be in Washington this weird... Uh, you know, obviously there's a military industrial complex that still dominates much of the foreign policy discussion. And these people keep on angling for going to war somewhere, anywhere. And the place now is Ukraine. And it's completely irresponsible. We're not going to do it. We shouldn't do it. And we shouldn't invite Ukraine into NATO. Why would we do that? They want to be part of NATO. And we don't like the Russians, and we like more buffers against the Russians. Right. They want to be. They want to be free of Russia. That's a good thing, right? Sure, but that's up to them, not us. Right. We're, yeah. We're. Uh, I mean, we're we're guardians of only our own, right? We may be friends of liberty everywhere, but we really are guardians only of our own. Let's say they join NATO, and then Russia invades Ukraine. Are we going to war over Ukraine? I don't, I don't think, think I want so. to go to war over Ukraine. Right. Well, invite them into NATO, let them be part of NATO, and then you're going to war over Ukraine. And that's not in the national interest. Would you keep them out of uh, NATO? I would. Why would we have any more entangling alliances than we than we need, right? We, we ought to be worried about what's good for us. What's good for us is 
a strong, prosperous United States. We don't have one of those today. We have quite the opposite. Well, what about, Joel, do you have a view on this? Yeah. Over the last decade or more, Russia was sending their natural gas through pipeline through the Ukraine to serve Europe. Right. During that period of time, we've watched the Obama administration and now the Biden administration not only not support Ukraine, but allow Russia to build the Nord Stream 2 pipeline to right. allow them to dominate energy supplies to Europe. If we thought we wanted to protect the Ukraine, we would have started with what Russia has been doing for the last more than the last decade. So now in typical elected official uh, uh, process, uh, now it's a crisis. Now it's chaos. What do we do? We shoot. We shouldn't shoot when we've ignored the real problem, um, (laughs) which is the ex-German chancellor being head of Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline company, dominating Europe, controlling Europe like they're doing now. And then all of a sudden, now we're going to talk about going to war. If we were going to go to war, we would have done this a decade ago. Well, uh, let me pick up on the pipeline because it does seem to me, uh, obviously, I, I think it was a mistake for President Biden to you know, cut off the XL pipeline here and then give the go-ahead for the, for the Nord Stream 2 pipeline there. But, but now Biden is saying to the Russians, uh, this, this is certainly on the table and we will uh, – cut off that pipeline but now i question what i just said he's, can he really do, do that can the germans pipeline. the germans aren't going to agree to that are they the german the, the ex-german chancellor runs the pipeline company they're not they're not going to cut right. the pipeline off that's nonsense right 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 we don't have le- any leverage there we have zero leverage it's over it's over so, so that should have been done a long time ago. So now, so 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 we messed that up. And if if, if we actually, if the policy was we want to protect and preserve liberty in Ukraine, that's what we would have done. We obviously didn't want to. So now we're going to go start a nuclear war over it. All right. So they've banned 175,000 troops on the Ukrainian border. What what's the right response? None of our business. Do what you will. Open the XL pipeline. Start producing more domestic energy here in the country that'll that'll have a that'll you know that'll have a shot at russia brian you're right bill we all talked about this 12 15 years ago the easiest way to preclude russia and people like them from waging these kinds of wars and these kinds of activities is to reduce by half or by two-thirds the cost of energy in the world they then will have no more money to do this and we increase our production and we increase, we reduce our costs. The only thing Russia has is oil and gas production. If the price right. were $30 a barrel instead of 70 or $80 a barrel, they couldn't do this. They can do this stuff now because they got a bunch of money. Um, it's called economic this, warfare as opposed to nuclear warfare. Isn't this also happening, though, because of uh, perception about Biden, because of Afghanistan, perception of weakness in Biden? He's not going to do anything anyway. Um, yes, uh, but it's, it, it is the perception, but it's also the fact. He, he not only is not going to do anything, he specifically tacitly authorized removal yeah. of sanctions to allow the completion of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Yeah, he did that six months ago, and now course, he's met with this crisis, and he wants to, he wants to verbally change it, but it's not going to change. It's over. But by the way, if uh, if Germany wants to tie their economic future to Russia, that's their business too. Correct. Right. I right. mean, 
in our own national interests, we can sell Germans, you know, natural gas, liquefied natural gas, and we should be. If it's economically viable for us to do so and we benefit, we should be doing a lot of that. If they want to make their bed with Russia, what are we going to do to stop that? I didn't understand it when Joel said earlier, if you want to fight back, I mean, first of all, the horses left the barn because we already made that deal, one. But two, if you want to fight back, open up the XL pipeline. Well, and the other thing, to Brian's point, um, Germany, not only if they, it's not even if they want to, of course they want to. Russia has been historically selling natural gas to Europe on short-term spot contracts. They've wanted for years to have long-term take-or-pay contracts to tie Europe to Russia. Angela Merkel came out three, four months ago and said, "That's ex- Russia has all the right in the world to do that. And the reason why Europe's paying so much for gas is because they have short-term contracts. And it's Russia, I mean, Europe needs to go and sign the long-term take or pay contract. So it's not even if they want to, of course they want to. And, yeah. and, and, and Brian's right. If they want to do that, when they do it, it's their business. But then we're going to have, an, then they're going to come to us some other time when Russia does something else. And it's just going to be, uh, it's so pretty predictable it's just to, to to reaffirm what brian said it's so darn predictable of course we should not go to nuclear war over these issues why did biden give the okay on the on the pipeline what good reason did he have why did he give the okay well every um every lobbyist including the german ambassador to the united states showed up in america and convinced every virtually every single elected official in Congress that they need to let them do this. It's their business. It's their right. It's their sovereignty. Um, they showed up during Trump, too, right? Yeah, they did. And it didn't work during Trump, but it certainly worked okay. with Biden. Okay. So do we say or do nothing? Well, let me they tell you what we are doing, uh, which I think is instructive for, for your listeners. While all this is going on and pipelines are moving oil and gas, all over Europe and all over Asia. In the United States, we have every public company that we know of has something called ESG mandates, environmental social governance. And for those of you who've never read an ESG report, let me give you a brief description of what it says. It says, if you are developing something that uses natural gas, that violates ESG standards because natural gas is a fossil fuel. It has, uh, it contributes to climate change. It will cause toxic health and environmental issues with people. Uh, oil production may or may not include benzene, which causes cancer and leukemia. So almost every public company that gets an ESG report says under no circumstances should you ever develop something near an oil and gas pipeline or oil and gas production facility. You should not allow it to be used. As a matter of fact, do not build anything that allows natural gas to serve as a heating source because electricity is the new wave and electricity will in the future be powered by green energy. And that's what we see in the United States pretty much every single day, every single week, every month. So while we are allowing, or not, should we go to war because somebody's moving, building a pipeline and moving oil and gas to dominate a, a continent while our own country is no, moving no. to right, right. stifle everything that we are doing and, and preclude anybody from financing anything because they'll be pilloried? That, but, you know, no. so that's what's going on right now in the United States while this other stuff is going on in Europe and Ukraine. Should we do anything? We should do what Brian said. Produce um, oil, produce gas, reduce the price from $80 to $30, and all of our adversaries who are completely dependent on revenue from oil and gas production can no longer wage their 
their uh, uh, anti-liberty uh, uh, wars. That's advice against your own personal financial interest, is it not? It absolutely is. It's completely <laughs> against it, but it's for you it's said, for Americans. I understand. No, and I know where your where your heart is. And we're not going to do it anyway. Yeah, and we're right, not right, right, do right, it. right, 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 right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay. we're not we're right. not going to do the right thing because we would rather we would rather make America yeah. poor than do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, the God other thing, knows. the other thing we could, the other thing we could do and take more seriously. I mean, right now we're not a serious nation. The other thing we could do to show Russia is to strengthen our military and yeah. take seriously President Trump's space force, which would have an application toward missile defense to protect the United States. But when we talk about the use of nuclear weapons in Ukraine, I mean, to protect Ukraine or to go to war with Russia, that's not morally serious because. Okay. Is Russia not going to attack the United States? Of course they are. And do we have a national missile defense to stop that? No, we don't. So they know that it's all just a bluff and not a very serious bluff. It's absolutely, right, I'm just asking, it's absolutely I'm just, meaningless. Just asking, do we do anything over there? I mean, I, I understand pump, pump oil and gas and natural gas here, uh, develop. Uh, strength in the military. Anything to Russia? Any mess, other I think, message um, to Russia? I, I want Brian to address this because he's the expert. But from a from a, a layman American's viewpoint, you, when you have issues like this, you start with what you can do, and what we can okay. do are things in America. We can okay. produce more goods here. We can produce energy here. We can provide reasonably priced housing here. We can employ our population here we can do those things and we don't need anybody's tacit approval okay yeah no i think i think joel is absolutely right those are the things we can control and those are the things we should do right now sending troops to to you know that part of the world i mean we have troops there already but increasing it or to posture ourselves in any way as if we're going to war over this is as i say not morally serious short of that i mean there are things you can do short of that you can send javelin missiles to the ukrainians well, again, again, it, it's it's part of part of the question of whether or not we're serious about these things, uh, and also we have to understand what is our national interest here. If the Chinese make a you know treaty with Mexico, let's say you have a Mexican government that becomes virulently anti-American, and the Chinese make a treaty with Mexico and they start sending missiles to Mexico to put on our border. What are we going to do about that? Are we not going to go to war over that? Sure, we are. Okay. And so if we start arming Ukraine against Russia, is that an act of war? So, is that our is that our national interest, right? And and, and I think the I think the question on how serious we are, again, you can Ukraine's a, a perfect example. Economically, we allowed Russia to, to basically bankrupt the Ukraine by moving a pipeline. Yep. And then now we're going to supposedly arm them. Even if we arm them, I don't think Russia believes we're going to sustain that and be serious with it. I don't think anybody yep. believes that we would do that. It would be a temporary solution. There needs yep. to be a very methodical, serious, okay. you know, something you don't pull out of like Afghanistan and, and, and say you're going to be there and say you're not going to be there. If you're going to do it, do it. But you can't just okay. do it because there's a crisis. Got it. All right. I've exhausted that. We've exhausted that. Thank you. Let's go to China and Taiwan. How similar? 
involvement in Taiwan, defense of Taiwan? In what ways is it this the same analysis? In what ways different? Obviously, we don't have the oil question there, natural gas now, question there. Russia's much more economically vulnerable than China. The thing about China is today, today it's sending all sorts of fighter aircraft over over Taiwan in order to intimidate the Taiwanese and or prepare for war to take back Taiwan, which they claim as their own. The difference between Ukraine and Taiwan is that Taiwan provides to the United States about 90% of our semiconductors that we use in all of our, uh, you know, cars, refrigerators, computers, etc. That is mission critical to the economy of the United States. And so the relationship we have between Taiwan and the United States is goes far beyond just the Taiwan Relations Act, where we, you know, promise to to aid them and their efforts to promote a democratic and free Taiwan. So we do have a clear, immediate economic interest in Taiwan. Now, it, it, it is going to be something that if, if, for instance, Taiwan was invaded by mainland China, communist China, the Taiwanese themselves may well end up having to destroy all those semiconductor factories because they couldn't let, they, the Taiwanese, need to use that as a a weapon that they need to send that signal to the to the PRC that they you know the jewel of that that whole enterprise would be those semiconductor factories now they want you know the communist party wants taiwan because of the symbolism it has but it also wants it for that economic you know the economic tool that it would have why can't they do semiconductor factories well, they can and they've tried, but it turns out these things are, are not that easy to, to produce. Okay. Okay. And we should be doing them here in the United States with yeah. breakneck speed. The comparison between Russia and China, United States, we can produce energy here. We can't produce easily as quickly what Brian just said. And, we and yet we that. should, because that's how you counteract these things. So is that a reason then to uh, respond to China with military force? Well, look, again, uh, we very much admire our friends on Taiwan. Mm-hmm. We do not have a national missile defense. The Chinese, if we got into a conflict with China over Taiwan, I believe they will use nuclear weapons. We do not have a national missile defense to stop, stop such nuclear weapons. And we're left with the you know existential problem, would you trade Los Angeles for Taipei? And the answer for most Americans is going to be no. That's crazy. Why would we do that? So talking tough is not an answer. Going to war quite often in this regard is not the answer. It's making sure that you yourself are strong and free. So what what should we do? We should build semiconductor factories in this country with breakneck speed. Get serious about that. But going to, again, thermonuclear war over another country is a very suboptimal to put it mildly, choice to make. We may have to do that in the case of Taiwan. That would be most unfortunate. If Taiwan were taken by the Chinese Communist Party on the mainland, we ourselves may have to end up destroying those semiconductor factories because we're not going to let them fall into the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. Now, that is war. Let us be clear. That's war. You want to avoid war if at all possible. 
that's the predicament we find ourselves in today because we have been irresponsible as a nation for the past 30 years when it comes to communist China. And we're left with these very undesirable alternatives. We have the capacity to make these kind of factories. We have the capacity to build a national missile defense. Why aren't we doing that with the greatest possible speed? Because we're not serious. We're going to, we're going to fund transgenders in the military and surgeries for transgenders in the military we're going to devote a lot of intellectual and financial resources to doing that rather than doing the serious things which are required for our national defense. All right, I, let me just push you a little bit. We don't have the missile defense. We don't have the semiconductor factories. The Olympics end and China invades Taiwan. What do you do, President Kennedy? Well, un, un, unhappy choices, as you said, unhappy. But what do you do? Look, I mean, this is this is the crisis point we find ourselves in. Are you going to trade Los Angeles for Taipei? Okay, the answer is no. Okay, no, I, don't do it. I want to advise President Kennedy. Okay, um, and by the way, the advice would be take about sixty seconds because he already knows it. Um, start building at, with great haste everything that we need in this country. Um, for 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 the last forty fifty years, we've been listening to economists tell us we need a globalized system with just-in-time inventory where you think everyone interrelates and then you all work together. No, what we need are redundant supplies and reserves. We have something in petroleum called the Strategic Petroleum Reserve that came out of the 1970s when our nation was at 20-some percent interest rates and gripped by oil shortages. So we created this thing thinking that this would be helpful, and the idea while it sounds great, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve basically accounts for a third of a day of the world's demand. Yeah. That's what they call a reserve. And so there is no reserve, and we don't have many things in reserve, including now semiconductors and all the other important things that this country needs, including defense. Why would you not want a defense against offensive weapons? Sure. When when President Reagan, your your, your former boss came up with this idea he was made fun of yeah and here we are today like why would we ever need that well here we are today the entire world is looking at waging war in space and yet we still have these conversations as to relying on others who obviously are not our friends who want to hurt us who want to dominate us and we just allow it so president kennedy i know if he were president he would start the first power in office, encouraging our country to produce what we need here. All right, but he's not. He's not. We have unhappy choices. We don't have the missile defense. We don't have the semiconductor. I don't know if anyone is pushing it in Congress. Is anybody good and smart doing this, like Senator Cotton or anyone else? You can answer that. Uh, they, they, have, they have a lot of the right views. But, look, we, we, there's a lot we can do with China today. I mean, there's Chinese students in American universities. Okay, right. Send them, send them home. They really like their students in our universities. They learn a lot. They're able to engage sure. in a lot of espionage against the United States that way. Send them home. Stop all, all uh, scientific exchanges and technology exchanges between the U.S. and China. The Chinese value that quite a bit. I would, it's, not, it's not even an exchange. What it is is a theft. Yeah, under the yeah, no. other the term right. of exchange, right. right, right. It's us giving them technology. 
and they demand it, we give it to them. Look, here's here's another point about just how unserious we are. Okay. We have we have today allowed Chinese companies, about five thousand of them, to come to U.S. capital markets and to have American investors invest in those yeah. companies. Yeah. yeah. That number today is four to seven trillion dollars of U.S. investors' money has gone to the PRC that way. Four to seven trillion dollars. Everybody keeps talking about how China owns a trillion or so of U.S. Treasury bonds. And so, you know, we can't tell them what to do, which is ridiculous. One trillion out of 30 trillion now is not that big a deal, number one. But number two, if they wanted to sell those that trillion off, the U.S. government would buy it themselves the way they've been buying treasury bonds, right? Uh, but w- what does it mean when four to seven trillion dollars of U.S. investors' money is in the PRC? Yeah. The pressure from Wall Street on a U.S. president to not, you know, ruffle any feathers is just enormous. Not one of those companies that, that, that American companies have invested in have to file have to follow environmental social governments governance form formats. Not yeah, one. sure, sure. They don't even have to show audits. They're they're exempt from any okay. normal auditing process. And Awful. so we're fi- we're financing the PRC and all its ambitions. Yeah, right. Um, right. I, I mean, this is. I mean, this is. We have been so co-opted in this country. We're not living today in so many ways in a free country. We're okay. living in an oligarchy where you have people on Wall Street and Silicon Valley. They have conspired to control the United States, both through our financing and big tech. They're the ones who are calling the shots. And today, and, Biden is reacting to that. You know, Russia is not the only country that has oligarchs. We have a lot here. They are unelected okay. people that wield tremendous power through economics. Okay. Uh, Russia invades Ukraine. We're not going to war. Uh, China invades Taiwan. We're not trading Los Angeles for Taipei. We've messed up terribly. I don't think it's it's not completely dismal because we know what we can start doing tomorrow morning. Yeah, but there doesn't seem to be any will or intention or plan to do that here in Washington. No political will. That's correct. No political will. Look, we're, we're, the Chinese today engage in genocide against the Uyghurs and against the Falun Gong. They have the systemic rape and pillaging of their own population, literally systemic rape of the Uyghurs and the Falun Gong, the women of the, the of those two populations. They engage in forced organ harvesting with those people. Forced organ harvesting. And what does the United States do? Nothing. I mean, well, Secretary, the Secretary NBA actually puts a, uh, a, a, a camp in the territory of the Uyghurs to show them basketball. Right. Yeah. Isn't that great? No, look, we're not serious now about our own national defense. We're not serious about China, and it is a scandal of epic proportions. I would invite anybody who's interested in both these things, by the way, and I, I personally think we should be boycotting the Olympics, not just a diplomatic yeah. boycott, but we yeah. shouldn't be going. Joel, do you agree? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You get canceled in this country if you vote for a particular candidate. So why in the world would you possibly travel all the way around the world to participate in, some, in with a country that does what what Brian just described is unassailably true. 
It is a vicious, vicious group of people. Why would you do that? And here in this country, if you use the wrong pronouns and you're a professor, you get fired. Yeah. Also, also yeah. they've screwed up our – look, the, the, the CCP virus, COVID-19, it has screwed up the lives of Americans for the past two years. Yeah. It, it has ruined things in this country. I'd like yeah. to ruin yeah. their Olympics. Yeah. Wait, what, what is the point here of these Olympics? To normalize you know, China in the eyes of the world. And in the eyes of the American people, you see have smiley, happy Chinese people. They'll show you just what you want to see. And they'll act like we're all in this together, the Americans and the Chinese. Yeah. And that we're just all one happy global family. And we're going to have an Olympics as if nothing else has happened. When in fact, China let that COVID-19 spread from Wuhan, China to the rest of the world, including the United States and has done everything in their power to destroy our way of life. And we're going to go to the Olympics as if none of that matters. Are, are, are we not men anymore in this country who are willing to stand up for ourselves? We've been talking about Taiwan and Ukraine. How about standing up for America once in a while and the good of the American people? I don't see that coming out of Washington. Did you see it with President Trump? Absolutely, which is why the Chinese declared a people's war on the United States in May of 2019, yeah, they signaled to their own population and the world that they were going to go to war with Trump because he was making them pay for all their malfeasance in the world, for stealing our intellectual property and engaging in bad trade deals. That's what Trump was doing. And so the Chinese waged a people's war against him. They spread, in my judgment, they spread COVID-19 and they helped corrupt through COVID-19 our electoral process because they wanted Trump gone. He took them seriously. And unfortunately he didn't have enough people in Washington in his own administration who were on his side. The great, the great failing history will record. I think about the Trump administration is that he believed all the right things, but couldn't build an administration of people who likewise believed in these. Things. Yeah. 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 Back to where we are. Uh, a lot of mess ups, not taking our own interest to heart, uh, not doing what we need to do to protect our country, not doing what we need to do to develop resources like semiconductors and assets like that. Do we uh, do we survive another 30 years? Well, hell, I'm an optimist. <laughs> I, Why? I, I would... You are? Well, look, because I, would, I think I would, it'd be I would look... like to ask the audience whether what they've heard. <laughs> I think the American people are fed up with what's going on. I do, too. I'm one I of those that. people who think the last election was stolen, that the people were overwhelmingly voting for Donald Trump. Not for the man, many for the man, but mostly because he was fighting for the American people. He was fighting for better trade deals with China. He was building a space force. He, had, he, he believed in complete energy independence and dominance. He wanted a rich, prosperous United States. I believe that you look at Joe Biden's polling numbers, he is completely underwater. People are completely unhappy with the direction of the country. I think if I don't think we need to worry about 30 years, let's worry about the next year. Because if, if the next year, in the next year, we can have free elections, I think we'll get a Republican Congress and a Republican Senate, and they will check the worst of Joe Biden. 
And I think if we have free and fair elections, we'll get a Republican president, whether it's Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or Tom Cotton or whoever, Ted Cruz. I mean, there's a lot of folks in 2024. And I think we can still turn this around, but we need the right political leadership in Washington. And if we have that, we can fix this. And if we don't have that, then I think we're in deep, deep trouble. I'm very optimistic. What I know about 30 years is I'm always wrong about 30 years. One and two year predictions are tough. Three and four are harder. But I, I'm, I mean, in my businesses, I see I see American citizens um, doing what Brian just was describing, making very good choices for themselves. I mean, virtually all of the reasonably priced housing that's being sold in America today, single family homes with schools nearby and kids are bought by minorities. They are living and pursuing freedom and the American dream. Um, I see people abandoning cities because they're just unlivable. They're unsafe. They're, they're, we used to just say they were expensive. Now they're just unsafe and unlivable. There's an instinct in American citizens. There's, there's an instinct that is so optimistic. And, and, and when someone, when someone goes and, and, and buys something that's the largest purchase they will ever make and has children to raise them, that in and of itself says that they have hope for the future and they admire it and they want to live it and they want to pass it on. And we're, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about our elected officials and how inept they are and how they do nothing, which is true. But we have 330 million American citizens and most of those people, I believe, think, think like we're talking, want this, pursue it, and have an admiration for freedom and liberty on any topic. I, th- I think Joel's absolutely right. Uh, I uh, I very much believe in the American people and their genius to get things right. Well, they get it right not... in time. Well, they get it right in time. See, well, if, I think if you're the yeah. you're the chairman of the committee on the present danger, China, uh, and I wouldn't be shocked if Chinese folks are listening to this because they track you. I know that they're going to say before the American people wake up, we ought to really take them on. We ought to really get Los Angeles. Well, yes, I, I, I think that that is a worry. Right? It shows you yeah. how important. It shows you how important a presidential election is. Yeah, sure does, doesn't it? What, sure what, does. What, but what, they, uh, what the Chinese don't know is just how far the United States would go to resist their attempts to try to destroy us. There is, there is a genius in the American people that they are not willing to tolerate being uh, attacked or not willing to tolerate being attacked. We're here not very far from the anniversary of Pearl Harbor by the Japanese. And when that happened, as we know, people were literally hanging from the rafters at uh, sure. places where American Americans would sign up for the military. Yeah. And I think if the Chinese push us too far or attack us, you will see the might of the American people. Now, is it the that case enli- of the Chinese? Enlistment line, the enlistment line isn't going to do much. I'm ready to fight in the trenches if they're raining down nuclear weapons on us. Well, yes, but we can we can rain down nuclear weapons on them, too. Okay. I think have- one of the most misunderstood thoughts of American citizens from people who are outside of America is what Brian just said. We don't seem to get much right when we should get it right. But there's been we very eventually. few circumstances in the history of this country where we haven't made sure we defended our freedoms. I was thought you were going to say, but we eventually get it right. No, we defend our freedoms. <laughs> okay. We, we, yeah, that's too strong a claim. We eventually get it right. We still don't get it right, but we defend our freedoms, right? Yeah, that's, that's more, yeah, that's, that's as far accurate. as I'm willing to go with that. Statement. Yeah, I understand. Okay, I understand. 
by the way, Bill, in the great history of the world, countries like ours, you know, they've never existed. A free country like ours, rich and prosperous and free. You can see how how the the American people are the reason it's rich and prosperous and free. We have we have a group of elites running this country today. I called them oligarchs. There are other things too, but these people are corrupt. They don't believe in the goodness of America. And if the Chinese think they can get away with destroying America, guess what? They're going to try to do that, which is why Americans need to engage politically. They need to pray for their country. They need to do their jobs, and they need. And they need to live as yeah. good people, right? Well, what made me what made me worry uh, and ask the question is, um, you know, if if they if they want to destroy America, given your quote optimistic assessments, the two of you, um, their best shot is now before this American capacity for self renewal comes into being and is reflected in elections and resolve yeah. and so on. No, yes, no, I, no, I think we're, yes. well, they have a, they we're have, living in a very dangerous time. They yeah, have okay. a very good yeah. shot right now, um, but things are not, they don't always go in a straight line. We have our own elected officials in this country that are making such absurdly outlandish, ridiculous choices that sometimes it makes the argument for those who love and want to defend liberty easier. Okay. Uh, Brian, you've talked about uh, the uh, lack of uh, missile defense. What about our offensive, our offensive capability? Well, it's deteriorated some over the years deteriorated a lot. We've not tested a the efficacy of our nuclear warhead since nineteen ninety two. That's not ideal. We've not taken, you know, nuclear weapons as seriously as we should have. Uh, President Trump was doing everything in his power to get things back on track. But you know, the military industrial complex that that was so influential in Washington, they uh they don't seem to care about nuclear weapons or nuclear missile defense. They wanted to keep fighting wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and elsewhere. And that was their priority. And President Trump pushed the space force against all those, you know, parts of yeah, Washington yeah, that could care yeah, less yeah, about it. Yeah. We really do need to focus on both offense and defense to your point, Bill. And we need to take these things seriously again. And unfortunately, this is one of those things that we just have not gotten right and that we have to get and we have to get right. You know, um, you know, when anybody hears the term nuclear anything, it's a it's a very emotionally charged term. And, and a lot of initial reaction because of propaganda has said, stay away, don't do it. Well, here we are. I don't want to keep going to energy, but here we are back 50 years after all the nuclear power yeah. plants yeah. Yeah. were shut down. Yeah back to nuclear because yeah. they don't issue because they don't have co2 emissions yeah now yeah. they're fossil so, they're not so, fossil fuels right yeah. yeah so so this this notion that because it says nuclear weapons that somehow you avoid it and abandon it yeah it's right. just it's just uh, just too emotional it's just propaganda yes if we, if we were right. serious if we were serious we would have we'd have more nuclear power plants if we were serious about the environment we'd have I more nuclear power plants. I, I, I think we are building more aren't we joel we are starting to now, yeah, yeah. Without the objection, without Jane Fonda, without, I mean, without <laughs> demonstrations. <laughs> Isn't Germany getting rid of some of their nuclear power plants? Yeah, and they, they're one of the biggest users of coal in Europe, and, and they lecture us on climate change, which is I, why I, we're not going to defend it. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Back to where we started. 
Right. I want, I want to leave it there. I want to thank you both very much. I want to just say I hope the audience, and I want to hear from the audience who has listened all the way through, to hear you two guys end up declaring your optimism about America, about the United States, because it was sounding pretty down for a while. Now, you were giving us sober and in, in your, you know, your best honest assessment of where we are. And I appreciate that. And I said, but I think for a lot of people that it's going to be a bucket of cold water in the face. Whoa, man. Jeez. So I think it's very good that you finished where you did. Good for me. I think good for the audience. Claude's pleased. I can tell. Thumbs up. And so I thank you. And we'll let you know what the audience says. Yes. I'd like to hear what the audience says. Yeah. yeah great. Yeah. 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 Claude, that pretty much does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to thebillbennettshow.com and follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. We'd love to hear from you. It's billbennettpodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week. <laughs>